Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed and you say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. Uh, Good morning, everyone. We uh, love God's word and we need God's word and we're going to pray now that God will help us understand his word. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. You've preserved it over the centuries. Many different authors have written parts of it, but they hang together as your word with a consistent theme pointing to the Lord Jesus. Thank you for your spirit that accompanies your word and drives it deeply into our hearts. Help Help us, Lord, to hear what you have to say to us this morning and also to be determined to put it into practice. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, anyone know Pilgrim's Progress? A few people, yeah. Pilgrim's Progress was written in the 17th century by a man called John Bunyan, uh, who is really a story, an allegory of a Christian's life. Um, the evangelist comes to see a man called Christian and uh, introduces him to the way to go and, uh, and, and so he becomes a, a Christian and, and journeys. It's really a story of our lives through life to the celestial city. Anyway, uh, in, the, in the book, uh, Christian and Hopeful, Hopeful is one of his companions at, at points in time, they are on that road to the celestial city and Christian notices a shortcut. And after a bit of a debate between them, they decide to take it. But as they walk, it becomes darker and darker. And they get sleepier and sleepier. And they lie down and fall asleep. And suddenly, after a time, they're awakened by a giant whose name is Despair. And he seizes Christian and Hopeful and locks them up in Doubting Castle. And in Doubting Castle... Christian and hopeful are plagued with fear and anxiety and uncertainty. And giant despair walks in one day and says to them, it's better that you take your own life than live like this. I've brought you the hangman's noose, the poison and a knife. And Christian and hopeful say to each other, we've got to get out of here, otherwise despair, giant despair will kill us. And hopeful said, If only we had a key. And Christian says, wait a minute, we do have a key. I have a key called promise given to me by the evangelist. 
and they stick it into the lock and it opens the door of the castle and they run back to the straight and narrow way. Do you believe the promise in verse 20? Look at it there. If you have faith, nothing will be impossible for you. It's an extraordinary statement, isn't it? It's a wonderful promise. But let me ask you, do you believe it or do you doubt it? Look at the doubt and despair in this story here. The boy is tormented by an evil spirit that seeks simply to destroy him. His father and the disciples and the crowd are all helpless to do anything about it. And now Jesus comes into this picture with a key. It's a promise. If you have faith, nothing will be impossible. And the problem is our doubt, isn't it? Our lack of faith. See, this story in Matthew's Gospel is a lesson on faith. And it really starts way back in chapter 16, verse 16, the great turning point of the Gospel when Peter confesses about Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. But Peter didn't understand what he meant at that point, and when Jesus explained that he's going to suffer and die and rise again on the third day, Peter objects. And then again, at the end of the passage, verse 22, Jesus says the same thing, I'm going to die and after three days rise again. He's teaching what his Messiahship is all about. And again, the disciples don't understand it, do they? You see, faith is more than just verbal affirmation. You are the Messiah. And then Jesus takes Peter, James and John up the mountain and they see the glory of Jesus in his transfiguration and they hear this voice from heaven. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Listen to what he says about what it means to be the Messiah. See, faith is much more than simply seeing that Jesus is glorious. The devil knows that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the Christ. The devil knows that Jesus is glorious, but he doesn't believe in him. So what does this story teach us about faith? Let's have a look at the text then. The first thing we learn from this story is that faith is focused on Jesus. When I take uh, pictures, there's some pictures there of native orchids. I, I like going bushwalking and uh, spotting the orchids, the native orchids in our bush. It's quite a few of them when you get an eye for it. Anyway, when I take pictures of orchids, the camera often wants to focus on the surrounding plants. And when it does, the orchid becomes blurry and it's a frustration. And so I make sure, as much as possible, that the camera is focused on the flower so that it's really clear. And as in these pictures, the surrounding bush is a little blurry. Faith in Jesus is like that. You can have... If you have faith, you have a choice, don't you? If you have faith, you've got a choice. You can have a Christ in your life and you also have many other things in your life. All the circumstances, the issues, the problems, the, the difficulties, the troubles in your life. And the question is, for us is always, how is your lens set? Often we see our circumstances with crystal clarity and Jesus becomes sort of blurry and out of focus. But true faith is focused on Jesus. 
so that we see him with absolute clarity and everything else is fuzzy. It's a bit like the old hymn that, that went like this, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will become strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. But the problem is we struggle with the distraction of our circumstances, don't we? And some of those circumstances are pretty compelling, distressing, troubling, and they pull our eyes away from Jesus. Look at the story here. Jesus has been on the mountain in glory, and now he comes into the valley, into the turmoil of life in this broken world. Verse 14, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. That's the scene that Jesus is confronted with when he comes down the mountain. He's with them, but they don't really recognize him for who he is. They're completely distracted, aren't they, by the situation. The disciples worry that they can't heal this boy. Even though Jesus had given them authority back in chapter 10 to cast out demons. The crowd come running to see Jesus, but they see him as a celebrity, as a miracle worker. They're looking for some excitement. And Jesus is standing before them all, but he's not the focus of their hearts. They're looking at something else. They're distracted by those circumstances, the inability of the disciples, the pleas of the father to do something, the terrible suffering of the boy. We can all get distracted in life, can't we? It's one of my greatest gifts, I think, Ingrid tells me. Distraction. But this distraction is a sign of faithlessness. They're living their lives as if Jesus doesn't exist, as if he wasn't there. Isn't that how it so often is with us? He promises us, I'm with you always, to the end of the age. I'm with you always. I'll never leave you or forsake you. They're promises of Jesus. But too often we live as if he isn't there. Let me ask you, where is the focus of your life? Is it on Jesus or on your circumstances? Look how Jesus responds to the unbelief, verse 17. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. He's fed up, isn't he, with his self-serving attitudes. The crowd is thinking about the next show. The disciples are thinking about what they can or cannot do. Isn't that so like us? Most of us would say, sure, God exists, I believe in Jesus, but we're not that focused on him, are we? And we live our lives as if he's not there. Sometimes in the middle of a crisis, we suddenly remember, oh, yes, that's right, I, I believe in God and I believe he's all-powerful and all-loving and he's in control. Why am I so freaked out by the situation? Why? Because we're looking on the inside, inside of ourselves, or on the outside of all the circumstances and at our wallets and our plans and our needs and we forget Jesus is on the throne, sovereign Lord and King. He's the Christ, isn't he? He's the transfigured, glorious Son of Man who has all authority in heaven and on earth. And he's just come down from the mountain displaying the glory of who he is into the chaos of our lives to help us. Faith knows that Jesus is present with us. 
And not only knows it, but it rests in that. So that he becomes our calm in all the circumstances of our lives. So faith is focused on Jesus. And secondly, faith may sometimes be small. Look at the father's small faith there, verse 15. See what he says, Lord? He simply says, Lord, have mercy on my son. Mark in his gospel tells us that the father says to Jesus, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And this man's faith is small, but it's focused right. It's looking at Jesus. It's dependent on Jesus. He calls him Lord. He throws himself on his mercy. He depends on him. See, faith itself is not going to do the work, is it? Faith has no power in and of itself. Faith is what connects us to Christ's power. So if you believe because of his power, all things are possible. And there's, of course, still the matter of God's will. Not my will, but yours be done, prayed Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. But with faith, everything is possible. Faith is like that power cord. Until you plug it in, you can't do anything. It doesn't matter what sort of cord you've got, whether it's a raggedy cord or a brand new one, a long one, a short one, a black one, a blue one. What matters is that it's plugged in. Then there's power and all things are possible. Faith is connecting to Jesus. He has the power. He is able to do anything. He's able to save. Do you doubt? Well, doubt is not something we aim for in our Christian lives. But sometimes our faith is mingled with doubt, isn't it? And the Bible understands that. So Jude 22 says, be merciful to those who doubt. Sometimes we wrestle with our doubt, don't we? I believe the Bible is God's word, but some parts of it are really hard to accept. I believe that God is kind and wise, but why am I finding that job that I desperately want? I believe my sins are forgiven, that I'm loved, but sometimes I feel so defeated and so unclean. I believe God has a plan for my life, but I didn't think it would be like this. Have you ever prayed like that? The father may have been, was, racked with doubts. But there's this mustard seed of faith, isn't there? He throws himself at Jesus' feet. Lord, have mercy on my son. That's what faith does, no matter how small. It hangs on, it clings to Jesus. Looks to his power, his authority. How do we know this father's faith is real? Well, he's there, isn't he? He brought his son to Jesus, didn't he? Sure, he might have been conflicted on the outside. His disciples can't do anything. What's the use? On the inside, I think. Uh, Thinking to himself, the disciples uh, can't do anything. What's the use? Uh, This isn't going to work. I'm not sure Jesus will do this, but I'm here. I give my boy to you, Jesus. He showed up, didn't he? And if you're struggling to believe, you're thinking... I don't know, I'm, I'm not that confident, I'm really struggling to trust Jesus. It's the better part of maturity, isn't it? To press into him. To act as if you do believe. And if you're willing to do that, it's probably an indication that you do have faith. Maybe small, maybe weak. And if you're not willing to do that, it's probably an indication that you don't have faith. 
What is faith? Faith is a bridge between our inadequacy and God's power. See, we've all had, we all have great inadequacies. You know, this father here can't do anything for his son. And there are so many situations in our lives that we have no power over. Isn't that true? And there's only one way to bridge that gap between God's all-sufficient power and our all-consuming neediness. It's faith alone. Faith is the only bridge. It may be wobbly, it may be weak, but it connects you to Christ, so you open yourself up to God's mercy where all things are possible. See what happens in verse 17. Jesus says, bring the boy to me, and we read, Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. So this father is there, he expresses faith in Jesus, and Jesus graciously heals that boy. The father had no doubt heard many voices of many doctors. He'd heard voices of family members. He'd even heard people praying for his son at the synagogue. And while these voices were kind and offered comfort, none of them sounded like the voice of Jesus on that day. The voice that spoke to that dead little girl. Get up, little girl. And she rose. A voice with power and authority over death. This is the voice that said to the raging, life-threatening sea, be still, and it became completely fat, flat and calm. A voice with power over nature. This is the voice that now has absolute power over the spirit, boy, spirit world. Boy, bring the boy to me. And with a word of rebuke, the demon was cast out. Your faith may be small, but Jesus says, come to me. I have all the power in the universe. Have you done that? Are you doing that daily? Say to Jesus, I want to believe. I want to change. I want to know you better. I long for a better life and a better world. See, it's not the strength of your faith that matters. It's the object of your faith that counts. It's Jesus. You might have great faith in your faith or in your intelligence or in the tooth fairy, but none of these things will help you navigate through life and bring you to heaven. There's no point in having faith in yourself. We're all helpless to save ourselves. A tiny little virus has taught us that the past two or three years. No, our faith is in Jesus. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. He has all power. He's able to do anything. Faith may be small, but if it's in Jesus, it can move mountains because he is the powerful son of God. And so we come to the third thing and the whole point of this story, really. Faith is always dependent. The question the whole story raises is in verse 19. The disciples come to Jesus, look at it there, in private and ask, why couldn't we drive it out? And back in chapter 10, Jesus had given the disciples authority to cast out demons. They'd seen him do it. They had done it themselves many times. And now for some reason they couldn't. Why not? Well, because the disciples had become self-reliant. No longer focused on Jesus and what he could do, but trusting in their own abilities. See what Jesus says, verse 20? He replied, because you have so little faith. 
No longer depending on Jesus, but on themselves. And that's such a temptation for us too, isn't it? The world constantly tells us, you can do it. Trust yourself. Be self-made. Be self-sufficient. Be self-reliant. And the disciples were thinking, well, we've done it so many times before. Piece of cake, let's do it again. How easy is it for us to think like that? We get some experience and suddenly it's, I know what I'm doing. I can do this. You know, I've been in ministry for 25 years and people say you're an experienced minister. And I can start thinking to myself, well, I can do this. Don't get me wrong, experience is good if it makes me more wise and competent. But it's shocking if it makes me less dependent on God. I need to remind myself every day, if God is not working through me, my experience and gifts are useless. It's a temptation for anyone serving in ministry, by the way. It's easy to rely on past successes and gifts to think you can do it all in your own strength. Sometimes gifts can be taken away, can't they? Just because the Lord has worked through you in the past doesn't mean he'll work through you now or in the future. So how will I know if I'm becoming less dependent on God? Well, I can tell you it's prayerlessness. Prayerlessness is a, is a sign of self-reliance. In Mark's account of this story, we're told the problem is a lack of prayer. Jesus says, this kind can come out only by prayer. Why does Jesus say that? Because prayer is an expression of faith. Prayer is an expression of dependence on God, first and foremost. You're asking God, you're saying to God, I'm unable to deal with this problem or issue. I don't have the power or the means to do this, but you are able and powerful to do it. And I hope you are willing to do it. Jesus often tells us to be like little children, doesn't he? Why? Because our children are fully dependent on us. They're always asking their parents for things, for food, for presents, for help, for everything. They know they can't get these things themselves. They don't have the resources or ability. But they know their parents are able and even willing. And so they ask and they ask and they ask. I know there's issues of greed and contentment that parents have to deal with, but they have faith in their parents, don't they? They trust their parents, don't they? And if you're not asking... If you're not praying, it's a sure sign of self-reliance. I think about teaching and preaching. Just because the Lord spoke to me last time I preached doesn't mean he will this time. And I need his help every week. And so before I come to church on Sundays, I pray. And before the service, the team gathers out there and it prays. And here at church, we have a quarterly prayer meeting at which we should all come and pray. We are like children. We ask and ask and ask, not setting any limits on what God can do, which includes moving mountains, by the way. Listen to the response Jesus says to the disciples in verse 20. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, moving mountains is a proverbial saying that means overcoming great difficulties. Faith is dependent on Christ. 
and the difficulties that are too much for me, the problems that I'm unable to solve, I take to Jesus along with all the other things that are on my plate as well and thanking him. And, and I take them to Jesus and I ask, Lord, please deal with this. And what is at the heart of our faith in Jesus? What is the foundation of our faith in Jesus? Well, it's there in verse 22. Look at the words. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. But the believer is not, is he? Or her? The disciples said, Jesus, you're going to die. But the believer says, Jesus, you must die and rise again because that gives me access to God. I trust your performance, not mine. And you give me access to the throne of power. I'm not filled with grief as I read that Jesus goes to Jerusalem. I'm filled with hope. A man or woman of faith and prayer is filled with hope because in the cross and the resurrection, the power of God is unleashed into the world that so desperately needs it. The cross means we're forgiven and we have access to the throne of Almighty God who hears and answers our prayers and the resurrection means the power of Christ can be released into my life, in my friend's life as I take them to Jesus. And we express our dependence on Jesus through prayer. And that dependence has its focus on the cross and the resurrection. Well, let me finish. True faith may be small and weak, but it is always focused on Jesus, and he is our powerful Saviour and Lord. Faith looks to him, faith relies on him, not just for the forgiveness of sins, but for everything. So let me ask you the question then, how is your prayer life? Are you relying on God? Are there things you used to pray about, but now Perhaps because you've got some experience you no longer do. You might be loving your spouse or bringing up your children or discipling someone in the word or teaching a children's church or leading a growth group or relationships at work or at uni. Is it that you used to be constant in prayer, depending on God, but now self-confidence has come in and you think, I can do it? That's like Christian and hopeful, isn't it? In Pilgrim's Progress, taking that shortcut, it only ends up in Doubting Castle. Isn't that, isn't that why God sometimes gives us the challenges and difficulties and disappointments? It drives us to prayer. It drives us back to him, doesn't it? And if we're men and women of faith, we'll see all our struggles and all our inadequacies as special gifts from God because they lead us closer to him and closer in fellowship with him. They remind us to pray, to ask God for what only he can do. Are you going through a difficult time at the moment? Perhaps you've lost your job, marriage is a little bit rocky, suffering from a, a serious illness, struggling financially. Whatever it is, the passage reminds us in so many situations, we are in reality helpless. And things are not going to be fixed by experience or hard work or getting the facts straight. You need to pray. I need to pray. We need to take it to the Lord in prayer. Are you doing that? Are you leaning on God? Pray without ceasing, says the Apostle Paul. 
That's relying on God and his mighty power for your life. Well, let's do that. Let's pray.